0: Good morning, Living Stones. I love that uh, song. Uh, that's become one of my favorite worship songs. A song where we we ask the Holy Spirit to come and to dwell among us and to consume us, uh, to be with us. And what I'd like to do as we begin our message this morning is to just take some time, just take about a minute to to pause uh, in quiet. And in prayer and seek that presence this morning. God, I thank you. We come together and we thank you. We praise you. We thank you, Father, for this family of believers that is gathered in, in this place uh, to, to spend some time singing songs of praise, to lift up our hearts in thanksgiving before you, to bring our prayers and to place them at your feet where you care for them and you love us. We thank you, Father, for a time to, to meet around the table like we do, to remember, to remember Jesus, to remember your great gift for us and your great love for us. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit that you don't just lend to us, but that you give us as a a very real presence in each of our lives, and we pray, Father God, that you would take your poker, your stick, and that you would stoke into flame the embers that are there in each of our lives. And Father, that you would do the same uh, within this church body, this community of believers that gather together, Father, that your Holy Spirit would have free course among us today. Father, that you would challenge us, that you would convict our hearts that you would make us open and aware, Father, of your presence, the reality of your kingdom here. Father, that you would uh, do away with our will and our desire and our agenda, Father God, but that you would reign and rule and that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Father. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In just a few weeks, uh, our nation will observe the National Day of Prayer. On Thursday, May 3rd, 2018, every first Thursday of the month has been designated the National Day of Prayer, and our country will will observe this as a holiday, and it was set into law in the United States during the presidency of Harry Truman, and every year since then we have observed that throughout our country. This year, over 40,000 observances will be held in large cities and small communities praying for unity, which is the theme of this year's National Day of Prayer. In churches, on Capitol building steps, courthouses, workplaces, school buildings, and in private homes, people will kneel and pray. And we pray. We pray because we believe that prayer makes a difference. That it has an impact not only on our country, but in our world for the kingdom of God. Let me just share with you three just really quick stories of people who have prayed God's kingdom. Claire Townsend was a producer in Hollywood. And she described a meeting where everyone sat around a boardroom table with inflated egos posturing and pushing their ideas. And nobody coming to any sort of cohesive decision. And she said, I got the idea of zapping each person with love, she said. It was around the time of the first Star Wars movies, and Claire imagined herself spreading God's love with a sort of lightsaber compassion, zap, zap, as she prayed for her co-workers around that table. And she ran around a table looking at people, looking at people, thinking about their good qualities, focusing on them seeing them, if you will, through God's eyes. Jordan Trumbull, program director for the Episcopal Diocese of West Virginia summer camp and conference center, moved to Los Angeles after college to work at an HIV clinic as part of the Episcopal Service Corps. Her faith often came up in conversations with clients who were puzzled about how a white, college student from rural West Virginia ended up doing HIV tests and counseling in Southern California. The teenagers and young adults were a little skeptical of me, she said. However, Trumbull was thankful for at times awkward conversations about religion when she had to tell one of her clients that they had tested positive for HIV. They asked me to pray for them. I'm an Episcopalian. I don't do extemporaneous prayer very often, but I knew this was po- probably one of the most difficult moments in this person's life. So I prayed. And I don't remember what I said or really anything about that prayer. But eventually, we got up, and they gave me a hug, and they thanked me for caring. Hannah Bradley is a young lady that I met back in January. Hannah uh, We met Hannah at our our annual Impact All Staff Conference. uh, And this year, we held it in Phoenix, Arizona at the Franciscan Renewal Center. And uh, we rented out a room where we could have all of our sessions. And every morning, we would get together, our staff would get together, about 25 of us to worship, just like we have done today in this small room. And the doors were open because it was nice and beautiful and sunny, something that we wish we had right now. And, uh, but we're let letting the, the breeze come in and the music flowed out. And as I was standing in the back during one of those worship sessions, there was a I, I could sense a presence behind me, and I looked around, and there was a there was a young lady uh, with a little two year old girl wrapped around her knee, and they were just they, they were compelled by the music to come in and join us and and I just thought that was great, so after we were done with her worship i I, I turned around and she started walking out and I noticed that she was weeping, and i didn 't have anything to do immediately, so I went outside and I met her I wanted to uh, find out a little bit about her and why she came into our room. And there was all kinds of activities going on at the Renewal Center throughout that time. And, and she said, well, I'm looking for the Christian yoga class, which I thought was really cool. She was looking for that for her two-year-old daughter. Actually, it was a yoga class for little kids, and she couldn't find it. So she was telling me a little bit about her story and how she ended up there and why she was taking her little Hannah uh, to uh, yoga This young lady's name was uh, Hannah Bradley. She was taking her daughter uh, there uh, for the uh, Christian yoga class. Well, God had been working in her life. She had been homeless and struggling to get free of addictions. And her little daughter had been emotionally scarred from abuse from her father. And Hannah was able to uh, get her child back. And as she, uh, uh, she was telling me her story, as God had rescued her and healed her and brought restoration into her life, she began attending Grand Canyon University, where she's working on a master's degree in counseling. She desires to serve and minister to others with addictions, just like she had had. And she is praying to make a kingdom impact. And I am praying for her today. When we pray like this, when we pray like the Clares and the Hannahs, and uh, the other people, when we pray, we open ourselves up to what God is doing into the world for His kingdom. We make ourselves available to bring heaven into contact with earth and usher in God's kingdom here. How do we pray? How do you pray? I know for me, I love love prayer. It's, it's It's a major part of my life, but I don't do that to pray because there are so many times where I come to prayer and I really don't even know what I want to say. I don't know what I should say. I, 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 I will say I want to intercede for you, but I don't even know what words to use. And I know that God works in us and he hears even what we cannot express. But how do we pray? Jesus' disciples had the same question. And Jesus' response was this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven... May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. This is a prayer that many of us have been accustomed to praying very regularly, at least weekly in worship services. And there's one phrase in there that I just want to key in on as we begin this series. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. In South Bend as it is in heaven. And that is the phrase, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In fact, say that with me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's do it one more time. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, not just a model prayer, not just how to pray, but he said, pray this, pray this very specifically. And when we pray this prayer, do we really know what we are praying? Do we know what we are asking God? And what does it mean for us? How does this prayer affect us? We know that prayer is more than just coming to God and asking for some things, petitioning, crying out to him. That is a very important part of prayer, but prayer is more than just that. It's, it is listening to what God has to say. It is pausing like we did here at the beginning of our service and, and saying, God, we want to hear you clearly. We want your Holy Spirit to reign in our lives. But even more than that, prayer is, prayer changes us. Prayer prayer causes us to evaluate our agenda and our ideas and our dreams and to to allow them to be molded by the Holy Spirit so that His will is done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. What does it mean for God's kingdom to come on earth? To pray it apart from all the courage you can muster would be failing to understand what you are praying. When we pray, we are praying for God's kingdom. God's will to not only come into our lives and to take root, but through us to spread throughout the whole earth. God's kingdom was announced by Jesus and makes its way into the world from that beachhead as individuals give their hearts and lives to Christ. And in that sense, God's kingdom has arrived, and we have been brought into that kingdom as believers. So this prayer is two things. First, this prayer is a submission. It is one of open hands that says, God, my life is yours. I submit my agenda. I submit what I want. I heard a preacher say one time, if I pray this prayer, it will kill me. And that's exactly what it is. It will mean a death to my will and a rebirth of God's rule and reign in my life. I must let go of my life of bondage, slavery, and service to this world. I long for the freedom that can only be found when God is Lord and King of my life. But secondly, this prayer is a prayer of desire. In other words, if I, if I pray that prayer, what is my desire? It ceases becoming what I want, and it's, God, I want what you want. My greatest desire, my greatest dream is to be able to look through your eyes and to see what you see and to want what you want. It's God's kingdom in my life, in my family, in my community, and in my world. And then it says, on earth, as it is in heaven. What is happening? This is a question I ask. What is happening in heaven that is not happening here? If I pray that prayer, I understand what's going on around me. I can see the world out there. I can read the newspaper. I can watch the news I can see what's happening in my world, but what is happening in heaven that I cannot see and I want brought down here to earth? That's what I desire. There's a difference between heaven and earth in our minds. For us, it can be kind of a destination. And because of pain and sorrow and hurt and work and messy relationships, we look at this as just kind of an escape to go to heaven and get off of this dirt. As Christians, we have been conditioned to think that our lot in life is in endure here until we reach that final destination of heaven. One of my favorite songs when I first started in ministry was the old song, This World is Not My Home, I'm Just Passing Through. Anybody know the one I'm talking about? You're probably like, it's not your favorite song anymore? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I won't be at home in this world anymore. That is such bad theology. And it was a stab at my heart. So for us, it's just a waiting. I mean, now I have my ticket, right? For that final destination of heaven. And I think we believe that. We we live like that. Now I love to travel. I do. I love, And I love to fly. I love to get on a plane. I can't wait to get my airline ticket, my boarding pass. And I love going somewhere and experiencing new and unique people and places and eating different kinds of food. And I love the journey and the adventure that is in that journey. But what I don't get excited about is standing in long lines. Anybody here love that kind of thing? I don't think we do. I don't think anybody enjoys that. When you check in online... You are told to arrive how far, how far in advance. Isn't that ridiculous? I mean, but that's where we are. That's what our world is. And it's good advice. If you don't heed that advice, you're going to be in a world of hurt and a lot of anxiety as you stand in that long line because you're going to miss your plane. Because you need all of that time to check your bags and to go through security and to go get your Starbucks. Or whatever you get when you get on the plane. And they're all long lines. And then after all of that hurry up, you're waiting again for your plane to arrive at the gate. <laughs> maybe a delay, trying to get comfortable, maybe even catch up on sleep that you missed because you arrived so early for your flight that isn't leaving anytime soon. And that's not the most comfortable place to sit for that long. Is that really what there is for us? as we wait is this really our story i've got my ticket and now all i need to do is wait and endure the waiting what a miserable life that would be and i don't think that's what god intended for us what was god's intention for his kingdom here that's what i want to know what was creation's intent what is happening in heaven that is not happening here i think maybe this is the struggle that the rich young ruler had when he had this conversation with jesus listen to this story Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Good question. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments, to which he inquired, which ones? Jesus replied, you shall not murder You shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept. I can imagine the buttons popping off of his shirt as he boasts about this. What do I still lack? And Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away. Sad, because he had great wealth. Now, eternal life, which is what the man is asking for and what Jesus starts to talk about with him. Eternal life, heaven, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the age to come. For Jesus and the gospel writers, these were used interchangeably to mean the same thing. Jesus refers to the man's intention as entering into life. And so he asks the question, What good thing must I do to get eternal life? Well, here's how Jesus gracefully handles handles the questions. Keep the commandments. And And to that, he'll ask, well, which ones? Because in his mind, he is thinking about the commandments. And he's not thinking about the commandments the way that you and I think about the commandments. We think about the Ten Commandments. And some of us in here probably could quote all Ten Commandments. But he was thinking about the Old Testament that had 613 commandments. And so he's saying, oh my gosh, I have to keep them all? Which ones? Are there a few that you can kind of filter down and say, these are the most important ones? At least that will get me a seat on the train, right? That'll get me a seat and I'll have a ticket to go there. Is there one or two that are more important? In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was asked the same question. He was asked, what are the greatest commandments? And Jesus would say something completely different than what he says in this text. He uses the Shema, and he says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second one is like this, love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets are summed up in these two commandments. But Jesus doesn't say that here to this young man. He doesn't go to the most important, which he defined in another's place. He doesn't go to the greatest commandment. He goes to these five that talk about something completely different. Not about our relationship with God. He focuses on our relationship with others. It isn't about, for him in this text, it's not about how do you get into heaven but how you have life. It's not a plan of salvation. It was how to bring kingdom here and now. How we relate with the world. Say that prayer with me one more time. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus would pray a similar prayer when he was in the garden. He would say as he is anticipating going to the cross and he is pleading with his father, he will still say, not my will, but thine be done. He expressed his prayer, his desire, so it was heard and appreciated by his Father in heaven. But Jesus' desire was not just for his, what he wanted for himself personally. He desired what he wanted, what the Father wanted. How do you make sure that you are part of the new thing God is doing? That he is going to do. How do you best become the kind of person whom God could entrust with significant responsibility in the age to come, in the life that is coming? Well, the standard answer was, live the commandments. God has shown you and I how to live. Live that way. The more we become people of peace and justice and worship, and generosity, the more actively we participate now in ordering and working to bring about God's kind of world, the more ready we will be to assume an even greater role in the age to come. Say that prayer with me again. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, if I have my tickets and I'm longing for a home in another destination, I'm not going to make an investment here. I'm not going to get involved in anything that has any kind of eternal significance because I have a place. I'll be satisfied with the little spiritual thing that I do here in this church building today. But no light penetrates out beyond these walls. Folks, there are people in the world, in our neighborhood, on the south side, who can't believe the good things that we talk about heaven being because they need to see it now. People need to see God's love now. They need to see a foretaste and a real measure of the kingdom today. We need to be the answer to the prayer we pray. Pray it with me. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is our life key. Remember what the question the rich man asks. What good thing must I do to get eternal life? In Jesus' day, eternal life was expressed in these Hebrew words, alam haba. Let's say that with me. Alam haba. One more time. Alam haba. Life now and in the age to come. There was no separation. When you talked about life now, you were also talking about the life to come. And understanding that was the key that Jesus was trying to communicate to the rich young men. And after he walks away, after he is disappointed because he knows, I have to give up all of this. He turns to his disciples, and in Luke 18, he records these words from Jesus to his disciples. Truly, truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. Alam haba. So when we pray, when we pray in South Bend, as it is in heaven, what do we actually mean when we pray this prayer? Is praying your will be done as it is in heaven, bringing heaven to earth? Jesus answered, the rich man if you want to be perfect go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven then come follow me so the question for me as i look at that is what does heaven treasure what does heaven treasure the rich young ruler had heaven's treasure he had everything given to him but he didn't use it to bring the kingdom of god to earth he wouldn't surrender it to make a difference He was only interested in his own advancement, his own place, his own seat, and his ticket. God gives us heaven as a treasure, and he wants us to be generous with it. So we pray the prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Where is the kingdom most needed then is the question that we ask. Where in your world do you see hurting, pain, rejection, violence, persecution, oppression, prejudice? Where do you find the refugee and the widow, the orphan, the poor, the thirsty, the lonely, the mentally ill, and the rejected? In our workplaces where people feel like cogs in a machine and they are not valued, Maybe you feel that way. In our communities, where is there a sense of community at all? Take your treasure, your sacred vocation, your dreams, your passions, and leverage it to make a difference. Be generous, hospitable, gracious, forgiving, random acts of kindness. Be welcoming. So if you're a business owner, what does that mean? If you're a manager or a supervisor, hire people Not so that you can advance, produce, and succeed for yourself or your business, but believe and value people for who they are. Stop, reflect, and understand who they are and advance and promote for their care and well-being. Your business will thrive because you have workers that love their jobs and invite others to become part of it. This will make kingdom changes that will last for eternity. This will bring heaven. If you're a teacher, you work in the school system, you look at the face of each student past their abilities or their inabilities, past their behavior issues, everyone is your favorite because you are able to recognize and discern a family, whatever that might look like. You can sense a need for grace and patience, a loving touch and belonging. And in the short time that you have, you have a lasting impression and investment in a life that is beyond you. How about your neighbors? How many of you know the na- names of your neighbors? I, I I'm sorry to say I don't know all of the names of my neighbors. I know Kate and Mark that live uh, to the west of us, and I know the faces of some of the people that live east to us, and we've lived there for six and a half years. That's a shame. Don't be so busy that you don't even know the names of those who are around you, because God placed you there. God placed you there to be a light in your community and to offer community and to welcome people. And if you're a student, why are we so impressed by the scholars we're supporting this year? I love those videos last week, because each of them had a story that was outside of themselves, They had a dream of making a difference in the world that was more than just power and prestige and money and success. That's God's kingdom coming to earth. And it's in heaven, as it is in heaven. Heaven is not just a place for the future. Just as hell is something that we experience today in reality. The kingdom of God is a present reality today. The kingdom of heaven is now. Pray that prayer one more time with me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We invite you to help us bring a foretaste of God's kingdom here. When we, when we do these things as a congregation, when we love the South Side well, it is not just an activity that we can kind of post pictures on Facebook and say, look at the good thing that our church did. We bring a taste of the kingdom of God into the world so people in the world can get a glimpse. They can see God's love in a very real and tangible way, and it should inspire us to do that over and over again outside of these walls and outside of the context of our community here. So for us, it is a challenge for us to live in here and now but it's because it makes the most difference. Kingdom come, today, on earth as it is in heaven. Instead of getting wrapped up in what will happen, live today, live today. God has given us an opportunity to participate in a vision and a mission that is a reality for today, to bring the kingdom in a unique and powerful way.